Mosaic, it's good to have you with us. Always great to catch up and chat beforehand. Love that. Uh, would you join us for worship this morning? We invite you to stand and, and sing with us. Your death, 
here on what feels like spring but probably will not stick around as spring but we can enjoy it in this moment while it lasts my name is emma i'm on the directional team here i'd love to meet you after service if we haven't met before um, because this community is a place where i feel that we can all truly connect with each other and see each other for who we are not the glamorized versions of ourselves not the people that we think we're supposed to be but who we actually are right in this moment. Today's reading is from Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure, they will have no fear. And, the, and in the end, they will look in triumph and on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. And Mosaic, when I read this Psalm, it can be really comforted, comforting, knowing of the good things that God will do for us, of the promises that he has. And I can feel this, yes, I trust God, and yes, I am casting my fears away, and I am trusting the next step. But if I'm really being honest, I don't put myself in situations where I would let that fear in, whether that's physically putting myself in those situations or even just mentally thinking about them. I often have this thought of, that is too big for me to think about. That's going to cause me fear or anxiety to think about oppression, to think about poverty, to think about large-scale issues that I feel I don't have any control about. So instead of faithfully stepping in and seeing what God has for me, oftentimes I can retreat to myself, my friend group, my church, this community, and say that's enough. 
But when we really trust God, he will equip us to do those bigger things, to give us the ability to think larger than where we are at this moment. And that is the kind of fear that I want to let go of, of knowing that God will equip me in those moments and that he will equip us, that we can think about bigger things. Our salvation isn't just about our relationship with Jesus Christ, but it is about the global humanity that Jesus came for, not just you and I, not just, not just this church, but everyone. Mosaic, please stand and worship together. Thanks, Emma. I'd like to invite you guys to sing with us more in these next couple songs. Um, these next two will hopefully be um, two songs that we can just use as, as a prayer um, of kind of what Emma just shared with us. Of just allowing God to to move within us as we we move through the world around us. Give me ears to hear when you're speaking. Give me eyes to see as you move. And made these hands to use for your glory. Set my feet to carry your truth. Rain down, rain down, heaven come and cover this earth. Fall on good ground, good ground. We don't want to waste your word. When your truth is hard to believe in, let our hearts be soft for receiving. Take root and the fruit be plenty. You are the vine, our only life. Let the good news grow 
and the branches flourish. You are the vine, our only life. Let your word take root and the fruit be plenty. I could just sit, oh, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay, oh, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could hold on, oh, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe, oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down. You have called me high. I could be safe, 
that your, your salvation uh, continues to meet us and continues to, to speak truth into our lives. Lord, we just ask that uh, as we receive uh, the blessing that you've given us, Lord, that we would in turn uh, be a blessing to those around us. Lord, that you would be seen and in us, in those that we interact with. And that you would continue to lead us as we go about our weeks and our days ahead. We're so grateful for your love and your mercy. And we 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mosaic. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Mosaic. My name is Kurt. We haven't met before. It is so good to be together. We're glad to have you here. Uh, thank you, team, for leading us. Um, those of you who love to have Landon sing over you, your duty is to cheer on his chiefs next Sunday. Uh, yeah. He and his dad got to enjoy the game at Arrowhead last Sunday. He was here leading us in the morning, and then I texted him that afternoon, and I'm like, hey, I never got to tell you, go Chiefs. And the next thing I know, I get a text, and it's he and his dad sitting in the stadium. I'm like, what? what? You were here in the morning, and then you, man, thanks for blessing us, Landon. Uh, the rest of the team up here, thank you. Um, it is a joy to have you lead us in song like that. Uh, Guys, we've been moving through this season of Epiphany. Epiphany is a season after the Christmas celebration of having our eyes, our imaginations, our lives opened to the saving work of God, the healing work of God in Christ. Epiphany begins with those magi, those wise men from the east on a journey with a hunch that there is, there's something, there's something to be a witness to. There's someone that they are to get lost in. Uh, and so Epiphany is this season where we realize that uh, Christianity is not a system that works for us, right? It's, it's, not a, it's not a mental journey that eventually we figure out and get. Christianity is a person, Jesus, who gets us. That's the goal of, of taking this journey together. Um, this past week, uh, in the calendar of Epiphany, there's a day known as um, the Presentation of the Lord. It's, it's one of my favorite gospel stories. And Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple, as was the custom, in a sense, to have him dedicated, and there is an old man there by the name of Simeon, and Simeon has been waiting and waiting and waiting his whole life to experience the salvation that God would offer he and his people, and um, he encounters this Christ child, and he holds this Christ child, and his words are simply, ah. Oh, I can, I can depart in peace. Like, here he is. I can depart in peace. And I just think that's, I think that's beautiful. I think it speaks to just the desire, the longing that's in each of us, right? That, that we would discover the longing of our souls, the fulfillment of, of just everything that our souls desire. And man, there is so much that we can try to find it in, but we often just still find ourselves feeling empty even after experiencing all of those things. But Simeon comes to this place and he's like, yes, now, now I can depart in peace. I've experienced it. Uh, and so as we've moved throughout Epiphany, we've been exploring more and more of the healing salvation of God in Christ. We started looking at Jesus' own words in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and I'll 
bring them before us again this morning. For the Son of Man, Jesus is referring to himself, the Son of Man, a term meaning really the human one, right? The, the one who embodies full humanity, who shares in this experience with us. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, you can really run with this verse if you want to. And that's why I have those four words written there for us. Keep it in context. What is Jesus really hitting at when he says, for the Son of Man keep, came to seek and to save the lost? Because we can run with this verse in all kinds of directions. For instance, if you want to make the story of these scriptures that have been given to us, if you want to make the story of these scriptures ultimately a story about going to a really nice paradise somewhere else after you die, rather than a bad place after you die, then Jesus kind of becomes this magic token who came to save us from the bad place in order that we can be whisked away into a good place and experience this beautiful paradise forever, right? And, and many of us have experienced, perhaps in various ways, the Jesus story, the story of God being told as if that's the end goal. But Mosaic, I'm just here to say it, that's, that's not the story of the scriptures. And then we end up in all these mental debates about the good place and about the potential bad place and who gets to go to the good place and who gets to go to the bad place and is it fair that these people have to go to the bad place, and right? And then we, we end up on these, these, like, all these mental journeys and it's like, Oh, that's not the point. We're, we're, we're not keeping this in context if that's what we think the Jesus saving story is all about. Um, you might hear people say things like, um, oh man, you know, I, I understand like your finances are in trouble, like it's, it's hard being alive in, in today's day and age, there's just a lot of financial pressure. You need Jesus, you need Jesus. As if you have Jesus, he's going to somehow bless you with a heavenly cash box somewhere, right? You just, you need Jesus. Um, that's not the point. That's not the context of the story. Uh, you might hear people say, um, oh, you're going through a really hard time with your health, you know, and, and just, yeah, you're having to walk through a real situation right now. You need Jesus. But the problem is, We've seen people who've been very devoted to Jesus who didn't have very good health outcomes. And see, right, so the world, guys, the world, like, listens to us sometimes talk about the saving work of Jesus. And because we've missed the context, they're like, it doesn't make sense. Let me tell you what I mean. So uh, Thursday night, I had the opportunity to be an Uber driver for my uh, wife and daughter and a friend who were going to the Women Cornhusker game at the Pinnacle. And it was a cold night on Thursday night. Pick them up a little before 10 o'clock. The game's over, and uh, I turn left on P Street to start heading home and driving on P Street, and there's a couple of tubas walking down the street. Um, yeah, like Sue's phone, tubas. Um, I mean, the tubas weren't walking, you know. <laughs> People were carrying the tubas, but it, it's like three degrees outside. And you're like, there's tubas walking down P Street. It's not where the tubas belong. You know, now, of course, all of a sudden it hit me, oh, yeah, that's right. I get it. The tubas were just in the pep band section at the pinnacle, right? That's, that's the story. That's the context. 
that the tubas belong in. And if you see the tubas walking down P Street outside of the context, you're going to be like, that's strange. And I think that's why there's a lot of confusion, especially in the American context in which we find ourselves living in now, where people are like, this whole Christianity thing, like, I want nothing to do with it because it, in a lot of ways, it's like tubas walking down P Street. Like, this, this just makes no sense. And so we have kind of a calling in front of us to say, what does it look like to actually speak about the salvation of God in Christ that keeps it in the context it belongs in so that when people witness it, when people hear it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. That's beautiful. I want to be a part of that, right? Because if we just keep it as like, well, hey, you need Jesus because, you know, he'll bless you, man. He'll bless you. And don't you want a blessing, right? He'll bless you. Just give your life to him. He'll bless you. And, like, there will be blessings in this, like, safety deposit box for you in the sky. People are like, I don't care about a safety deposit box in the sky. I care about my neighbor. And I seem to care more about my neighbor than you care about my neighbor. See why we have the issues we have? Right? You need Jesus because if you, if you walk with Jesus, like I know, like just this struggle that you're going through, whether this health issue or or whatever it is, like Jesus will help you through it. It's like, yeah, but I've seen people claim that, and they ended up in really bad places that just didn't end well. So no thanks, I don't need any of that. But interestingly enough, I think we live in a day and age right now where I think I know us well enough. But I think I know a lot of the people that we walk with and rub shoulders with outside of here. And as much as we're wrestling with what it means to be a Christian in this day and age, I know a lot of people out there are wrestling with, well, maybe they've walked away from it. But yet at the same time, I think they can say to themselves, there's something about all of us realizing that the world desperately needs to be healed. The world desperately needs to be healed. And when we start talking about the healing of the world, now we're putting the salvation of God in Christ in context. Now we're not tubas walking down P Street, but now we're actually making music in the pet band section in the context it belongs. Let's really explore what it means to be healers out in the world. To be people who experience the, the healing of God. No, not the healing in the sense that nothing bad will ever happen to me, but a healing in the sense of all of a sudden like, Man, I'm, I'm experiencing that God fills my deepest longings in ways that other things can't. And I'm learning how to look to him, and I'm letting him teach me. And then as a result, I'm sharing that healing work with the world around me. And so when we talk about the salvation of God, guys, we have to start in Genesis chapter 12. Let me read this for us. You'll find it here on the screens. And in Genesis chapter 12, this is known as the Abrahamic covenant. This is... This is where God's healing work is going to begin. When we think about the story of the scriptures, this is where the story begins. It starts with one man, and that one man will become a father of a nation. That nation will be sent out in the world to be a blessing to the world, to be a healing agent out in the world, to work justice where injustices are present. And then in a sense, one man will come out of this nation, Christ, the Messiah himself, 
who will become kind of a spiritual father of all nations now and all nations, all humanity being invited into this spiritual family that together will act as healers in the world. That's the context of salvation as the Bible talks about it. And the Bible is very focused on this world, the healing of this world. As much as we love to, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't address kind of, okay, well, well what happens if I leave this world? I'm not saying the scriptures don't address that at all, but I'm just saying that's not the heartbeat of the scriptures. That's not necessarily the main heartbeat of God's salvation. The heartbeat is the healing of here, this, all that's broken. And in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, things spiral out of control really quick. And human hands are wreaking devastation all over God's good gift of creation. But God says to this one man, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. All kinds of goodness happening just in this one verse. Go from, the Hebrew is lech lecha, go from, could also be translated, go to yourself. I love that. That's kind of this translation of go from your land, but go to yourself. The life that you're really looking for, who you really are, is found here if you're willing to take that journey and become who I am calling you to be. Isn't that beautiful? And an opportunity to go to yourself, right? That's a beautiful call. And, and for Abram, in this day and age, life was very cyclical. You did what your father did, and your father did what his father did, and your grandfather did what his father did, and it was all about kind of just keeping your thing going. And what happens here is God starting this work of salvation with one man is saying, look, I'm breaking the cycle of just taking care of yourself and your family, and I'm sending you out into the world. So go from your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. And this is what God says, I will make you into a great nation, right? This is where one man will become the father of a nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, right? So I will bless you, I will sustain you, I will take care of you so that you can be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the invitation that God gives Abraham. Now, there's a story that we won't look at just a few chapters later, but really God's saying is a sign that, that I'm going to bring this to its fulfillment, right? That, that through you, a nation will come. Out of that nation will come the Messiah. That Messiah will then become kind of the spiritual head of this nation, this family that now includes all nations that will be a blessing to this creation that so desperately needs healed as a sign of this Abraham finds himself in a deep sleep and what would have been customary in that day and age is that when two parties make an agreement with each other they would find themselves a couple of uh, animals maybe a couple of pigeons and again this is ancient Near East and what they would do is they would sacrifice those animals and they would scatter the blood on the ground and then both parties would walk through the blood basically as a way of saying if I don't keep my end of the bargain 
may I become like this sacrifice. Now, the interesting thing is, is when this is said, a few chapters later, Abraham, he's in in his sleep, and he has a dream, and he has a dream of God actually walking through that sacrifice on the ground, but Abraham doesn't walk through it. Right? So, So in a sense, Abraham is like, God is the keeper of the covenant. We're invited into it, but God is the keeper of the covenant. He's going he's to see that this happens. And so the opportunity is before us. The opportunity is before us to take this journey. He will bring it to its culmination. Will we be willing to leave perhaps things that we need to leave in order to step into more and more of what it means to be healing agents in the world? Christopher Wright, he's an Old Testament scholar, and he puts it this way, and I think it's um, so well said, and we've kind of said this in other ways over the last few times that we've gathered together, but salvation does not mean rescuing people out of creation to some other realm. This is just something we need to tell ourselves over and over and over again. That is not the goal of salvation. That is not the end goal. Although that's part of it, the end goal is bringing back God's blessing into creation through God's redeeming and transforming power. Salvation, then, is God's mission of redemptive blessing, restoring his whole creation to what was lost because of human sin and rebellion. And guys, we've all been a part of it, right? I've brought devastation to places I've walked in this earth. No, maybe it's not as outright as some of the devastation that we've seen in other ways. But man, through my attitude of selfishness, through just wanting to take care of myself, through demanding that my own needs be met, I've hurt people close to me continue to do it, probably through systems that I participate in. There's systems that I participate in, and I have to stand back and ask, by participating in these systems, am I actually leading to the ongoing oppression of others and their slavery in that system? The answer is yes, I've been a part of this, right? But but being a part of the saving work of God, knowing that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, is opening myself up to saying, let me discover ways that this is happening in my life, and I want to leave that. I want to leave that, both in the way that I live my life, just hyper-local ways, right? In my school, in my home, in my community, in my neighborhood. I want to leave those ways that I maybe don't bring healing because of a focus on self, right? Right? Because the ego needs to be fed. I want to leave that. I want to step out and know what does it mean to actually engage in realizing that I'm called to be a blessing. But also then as I move out of the hyperlocal and understanding then there are systems and structures at play in our world. That how could some of my choices be playing into that, right? And there's no easy answers to any of that. But it comes down to things even like it's good for us to wrestle with, you know. Gosh, as much as I want to save the world and proclaim how the world needs to be saved through my iPhone, the reality is the device that I carry in my pocket, in a lot of ways, the production of that very thing may be oppressively enslaving others. These are the hard questions that we have to ask. These are the hard things that we have to sit with, and there's no easy answers to any of it. 
And no, I'm not saying get rid of your iPhone this afternoon. Okay? Um, you may decide to do that. So be it. Um, I think those are just things that we, need to, that we need to wrestle with. Let me go a little bit further for us just to kind of continue to unpack this. So the prophet Isaiah, right? We've been looking at Isaiah over the last number of times that we've been together. And in particular, um, this is what we might call third Isaiah this morning. I've mentioned that Isaiah covers a lot of ground, a lot of history. Um, theologian scholars tell us that we're not just dealing with one person, but we're dealing with probably a few different prophetic voices over a, a, a large span of time. And the first 39 chapters are that first voice of Isaiah really proclaiming judgment, not only on Israel, because like, you guys don't get it. You've missed the mark. You've, you've been called to be a blessing to all the nations, but really you just look like all the other nations and you're just taking care of yourself. And so this judgment comes where Babylon comes and it's like, you're going to go off into exile. But then in chapter 40, second Isaiah starts and the second voice of Isaiah speaks these words of comfort, comfort, my people, right? I'm going to bring you back into your land because remember the covenant that God made with Abraham, right? He's going to bring this to completion, right? That's the good news of God, right? Is even in all of our unfaithfulness, he continues to be faithful. That's why Abraham had this dream of God walking through the pieces on the ground, but not Abraham. This doesn't depend on our our. our faithfulness because we're unfaithful in so many ways but he's like i'm going to bring you back to your land okay and then eventually um then late in isaiah where we're going to be here in chapter 58 the people have been brought back to their land and now it's not so much comfort comfort my people but it's like hey let me speak some more difficult words that i think you need to hear okay here's what i want us to sit with for a moment okay now if you were to hear these things and these things were being um, like, hey, I want to describe for you this Christian person. You would probably think to yourself, wow, it's like a model Christian. Okay, listen, listen to these words. These are words that, that Isaiah will say in 58, but I don't want them on the screen yet. Day after day, they seek me out. They're eager to know my ways. They have not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They're eager for me to come near to them. They fast. Right? They're disciplined. Did you catch that? If you were to hear those words about someone, what might be your conclusion that you might come to about that person? Okay, this person gets it, right? It's like, it's like a model Christian. This is it. Like that, that's, that's the end goal. Like, man, I mean... To, to seek God out, to know his ways, do what is right, not forsake the commands of God, ask for just decisions, be eager to have God come near them, you know, fast and pray and do all of these things. But now let's pause and let's actually read the full context together. So this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, shout aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? It seems like we've done everything right. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Like, come on, God, it seems like we're doing this right. Like, why? Why? Yet on the day of your fasting, 
you do as you please and exploit all your workers. You, you feed into systems that are unjust. And, and the salvation of God in Christ cares about these things. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. Oh, man, I mean, we just, the quarreling and strife is all around us in these days, isn't it? And I know that's true for myself, and I know that's true for many of us, right? We can quarrel and fight about all kinds of things. And in striking each other with wicked fists, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? And that is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will build the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Isaiah is giving us this picture of like, if you want to know what it means to truly participate in the salvation of God in Christ, right? To know that Christ has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's come to help us realize the ways that we don't get it. The ways that we're still walking around on P Street with tubas. And the invitation is there to see ourselves situated in the ongoing story of God where it's like put the tubas back in the pet band, right? This is ultimately what we're called to be about. This is the work before us. And I tell you what, Mosaic, there's a whole lot of people out there who want nothing to do with the church, but they desperately want something to do with this. And maybe they don't want anything to do with the church because they've looked at us for so long and said, you're like tubas out on P Street. Because they're smart enough to know these are the things that God cares about. And so we have the opportunity to say, yeah, let's, let's be about these things. And let's build bridges with you and realize that actually maybe we're not all that different. Like, we can work together on these things. It's a beautiful opportunity before us. So how do we participate in God's salvation of the created realm? As I wrap up, let me just throw some things out there. And, and I think I want to kind of look at this, like, how do we practice that, this at a hyper-local level? And then by practicing at a, at a, at a hyper-local level, we find ourselves like, that practice extending out into actually making changes in systems and structures that are at work all around us. And the good news is, guys, 
I know that this is a lot of, of your heartbeat. And so if anything, I want to just say, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And the beautiful thing is, is the church, people will say, well, I, don't, I don't need a church. I'll just, I'll just do the thing of God, you know. Okay, I, trust me, I've been there many times. But the church ultimately at its core is a picture of what the world will be one day, right? So part of the reason why we participate and in, in say, I'm going to be part of a church family is this is a hyper-local way for us to say with this specific group of people, we are going to be now what the world will be one day, right? This is a place where no one is in need. We take care of each other. If there's a need that needs to be met, we meet it, right? No one's going to go without, right? No one should have an exorbitant amount of something while this person over here is struggling. So this is a place where the justice of God and the reconciliation of all things happens where it's like, this is what it means to be a part of a church. And I think the way that we can participate with this is, is number one, um, just start by serving others. And just as much as you can, as much as you can and as often as you can, look for little ways to serve others. One way that you can serve others, I believe, in a day and age where one of the systems of oppression as it work around us is a system of loneliness and isolation. People just, although it's comfortable to kind of hide back in the shadows, no one really wants to live their life in the shadows. They want people to see them. They want people to notice them. They want people to know their name. They want people to know their story. Guys, that's one way we serve each other. It's just by opening our eyes. Like, I, I can't know everybody here, but goodness, I can, I can just look to like just know someone's name, to know someone's story, to step in a little bit further. Right? This is a way that we can kind of break a, a system of oppression and where people are just enslaved in systems of loneliness and isolation. Like this, this is where that can happen, right here. It's a beautiful thing um, where we can actually say, you know what, I'm going to look for an opportunity just to say, I'm going to serve, and, and there's, no, there's no kickback that I get for this. I'm not serving because it helps my workplace perform better, and if my workplace performs better, then I have a better chance at a paycheck still coming, right? But no, I'm going to look for opportunities to serve where there's no kickback. Like, I'm just going to give of myself. And when we look for opportunities like that to say, how can, I, how can I give myself away where there's no kickback? Like now we're actually participating in the salvation of God and Christ in the world. Just start by serving others. This can happen in your school, in your home, in your community. It's a little thing of just like, man, everybody wants to change the world, but no one wants to do the dishes. Start by doing the dishes in your house. Empty the dishwasher, right? Just pitch in. Just start by serving the most basic level. That's what it means to participate in the salvation of God in Christ. Number two, notice the enslavement of others. Like I said, you begin to notice things like, just God, give me eyes to see where people are enslaved in, in systems that, and, and that's where I said, people are enslaved in systems of loneliness right now and isolation and man, you know what? Like, I know we're like, I don't want to disturb them. Well, you can be oppressive in going and introducing yourself to someone, okay? But 
I think all of you get it. Like, no, there's, there's beauty in like just saying, I want to notice people. Like that person who serves me at my table when I go out to eat, they are more than just a tool there to serve me. They're a person with a story. How can I bless their story? How can I see them for who they are? You know, the people I walk the halls with at school, the people that I work with, like how can I begin to see people as more than just cogs in the machine? Right? Where are people enslaved and how can I, in a sense, kind of come alongside them and introduce them to a new kind of freedom? Um, The third thing kind of fits right in with that. Live to set them free, right? Live to set them free, man. Tip generously, right? Go out of your way to acknowledge people. Learn someone's name. Practice hospitality. The early church guys flourished because of the way that it like practiced hospitality and went beyond the social normal bounds of the day, right? They actively looked. Jesus did this all the time. And people are like, dude, why does he eat with those people? Why does he associate with those people? Because this is why. He's living to set people free from systems that enslave and bring brokenness and division and all of that. It's like, what does it look like for us to engage in that? Explore that as you think about your life. Where are those opportunities that this could become a regular practice of yours? Fourth, um, stop exploiting others for gain. Perhaps consider how am I living in certain systems around me? Maybe it's my home, my school, my workplace, my community, the world at large. You can even write those things on a paper and like, where could I be, in a sense, living in these systems and in some way I'm exploiting the people who are there because ultimately it's about me? Like, go ahead and go on that journey. And guys, this is stuff that we can never unpack in a sermon. This is stuff that needs to be unpacked at the individual level in relationships with each other, right? That you would talk about these things, that you would search these things out. Um, Fifth, leave the culture wars. Quarreling and stirring of controversy. Just leave it. And, and I know, like, trust me, I, I want to call it out as much as anybody else. I like to throw a dig in there as much as I can at so much of the, the stuff that's going out there. But just, like, there's no place for any of that. The, Isaiah said it. Look, just stop the strife and the, squirrel, the quarreling, squirreling. Stop the strife and the quarreling. Just, just leave it. Don't, eat, just, don't get caught up in that. And, you know, and it's like there's a whole lot of self-righteousness badges that we can put on ourselves by participating in those kind of games, right? And there's a big difference when Jesus said, you know, blessed are the righteous, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. I think a lot of people are translating that as, oh, man, blessed are, you know, blessed because I'm persecuted for my self-righteousness. That's a big difference. It's not what Jesus said. Like, let's just leave the self-righteousness. Just leave the quarreling, leave the controversies, leave all of that. Stop kicking at the darkness and actually light a light and go live it. Live it in your home, live it in your school, live it in your workplace. Finally, embrace the faithfulness of Jesus. We'll fail in so many ways, guys. We will fail in so many ways. Um. But Jesus is the faithful one, right, who has, who has lived this out, who will bring it to its completion. 
but we participate with it now. And so embrace the faithfulness of Jesus. Let the faithfulness of Jesus minister to you when you're like, man, I think maybe I've, I think maybe I got off course. I think maybe I'm just kind of through some choices I've made and ways that I'm living my life, I'm exploiting others. I'm not opening my eyes to the reality of others' needs around me. It's like, it's okay. Just let the faithfulness of Jesus minister to you in that place. And let him remind you once again of the call before you, right? Every failure is a chance to start again. That's what grace is all about. Every failure is a chance to start again. So guys, that's what I have for us this morning. When we are talking about salvation, talking about the healing of this created world, this is God's focus. This is what it's all about. Let's not get lost in, then we're like tubas walking down P Street. Let's get lost in the story right before us. couple of weeks from now when we gather, we're going to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about with salvation. And, and of course, Jesus is the one who initiated this healing of the world. Actually, God initiated it right through Abraham. God shows up in human form in the person of Jesus. Jesus brings it to its fulfillment and, and, and culmination, and that will happen in the future. And that's a pretty exclusive claim. And I know that one of the tensions right now in the world is like, are we allowed to make exclusive claims like that as Christians? Um, I think we've made that exclusive claim um, in some really devastating, wrong kinds of ways. And that's why people have a hard time. But I think there's a way that we can live in such a way that we can live with that exclusive claim that, no, Jesus really is the one who will bring this world to a saving end. And that's beautiful good news. And we're going to explore in a couple of weeks of like, well, but what about those who don't profess that? What about those who don't, and I know, and right, this is like a lot of Christian deconstruction. Well, people who don't profess that, people who don't claim that, I know Christians who say they're going to end up in the bad place because they haven't done it this way. And it's like, stop it. You're tubas on P Street. That's not the point of it. Just stop. Paul, in, in even his letter to the Romans, says there's people, Gentiles, who are doing the things of God, and they don't even know they're doing the things of God. And guess what? Everyone's been like turned over to disobedience, but God says in Romans, the reason I've done that is so I can have mercy on everybody. Oh, now we're talking. Like, wow, so we're gonna explore that in a couple of weeks. Because my hope for us, guys, as we've gone through this season of epiphany is you have a new sense of imagination of like, wow, the saving work of God in Christ is a beautiful reality that operates and, and works out in this created realm, and I get to be a part of it. And I get to live it now. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, Landon team, come on back up here, guys. And um, as we wrap up our time, I'm going to invite Jenny and Deepak to come on up here who are going to serve us the elements this morning uh, as a way of reminding us that um, when Jesus was with his disciples on that night before his death, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body just for you. Take and eat. And at the end of that meal, he had a cup, and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, a sign of God's unfailing love for you. 
partake and drink. And so I want to invite us as we sing this last song together, embrace the faithfulness of Jesus together, guys. Let's embrace the faithfulness of Jesus in every area of your life right now, your life at home, your life at work, your life in your community, your life in wrestling with all of the things that are going on in the world. Just embrace the faithfulness of Jesus and be like, man, I am held in this beautiful outworking story of salvation and I get to be a part of now going out into the world and living this. Let that shape us as we, as we leave this place and, and go out into the world. And so as we sing this last song together, go ahead and you can walk toward the back of the rooms, come alongside the, the blue wall here. We practice an open communion here at Mosaic. Um, you don't have to fit a box. You didn't have to sign a paper. You didn't have to say magic words. Uh, it's a matter of just simply responding with the yes to God's yes he's already given to you in Christ. And yet at the same time, if you're not at that place and you just want to stay where you are, no pressure. Um, however, God is at work this morning. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for each and every uh, person who is here. I, I um, think about their stories. Um, man, so many in this room who they're, they're living and working in some really broken places right now systems that are just healings badly needed. Um, I think about so many stories here who um, day in and day out, they're like, yeah, I, this is who I am. I want to be a part of this. But it's tiring. It's just like giving yourself away over and over again. And uh, this is why, Jesus, we so desperately need to embrace your faithfulness because you, you're the one who sustains us on this journey. You're the one who gives us life so that we have life to go out. Um, so I pray for each and every story here this morning as they come forward. God, I pray that you would uh, bring healing to them, that you would renew them, that you would restore them that you would give them a new sense of purpose as they step out into a new week. And uh, we commit ourselves to you now during this time. Amen. Mosaic, when you're ready, go ahead and make your way to the back of the room. Come alongside the blue wall. Let's partake together. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever bring, we live for you. Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one that could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. We live for you. 
together this morning. I hope that as you step out into the sunshine and warmer air of today, that it does a healing work on your winter bones. And may that be a sign to you. May that be a sign to you of the healing work of God in Christ that is happening still in the world. You've received
received it, you continually receive it so that you can share it with others. Uh, Get lost in that story. Grace and peace to each of you. We'll be back here in two weeks. Uh, We would love to have you join us. Say hello to someone you don't know, get to know a name, and enjoy the beautiful day.